Okay, everybody, welcome to the Success Training Podcast today. I'm Dr. Greg Moody, Chief Master Instructor, and we're going to be talking about self-esteem today. So self-esteem is a fundamental part of anybody's success, whether it's in school or whether it's in work or whether it's any kind of uh, achievement that you want to have. And we're going to be talking about what self-esteem is and isn't, what happiness is and isn't, and the difference between self-esteem and happiness and confidence and happiness. And then in our part two, we're going to follow up with some myths that really can get people tangled up in terms of developing self-esteem, including professionals, helping professionals, teachers, um, and people that want to work with, uh, with students and, and, and people at work that want to work with their employees in terms of building self-esteem and confidence and getting results from having good self-esteem and confidence versus having self-esteem and confidence that maybe isn't really uh, built on a solid foundation. So we're going to talk about this today. Um, and again, this is part one. It's really coming, and you can read a lot of this in the book, The Life Skills of Leaders. You can get that on Amazon. So we'll cover this in a few different ways. First of all, here's some things that we've heard recently. I asked the instructors to give us a list of things that they've heard. And if you're hearing this on audio, I'll read them off for you. That students have said, that parents have said, and they're really heartbreaking about their, uh, that, they're, that they've heard their kids say. So here's some examples of bad self-esteem. Um, he thinks he's a bad person when he gets in trouble, even for a minor infraction. It feels terrible for not speak or that they don't speak loudly enough, that they're, they're either at work. This could be a, an adult who doesn't speak up loudly enough. So therefore they don't get their uh, opinions heard. They don't get their feelings heard. They don't get their point across. They won't do things without their older sister. So this would be a child who won't even attempt something unless their older sister does. So then in the future, they won't be able to develop independence unless somebody else does something. Always starts with, I can't do that before trying something new. So if you ask them to do something new, they say, I can't do that. Well, um, the, in the future, when they're an adult, they may not say that externally, but internally, they're not going to try new things. They're not going to look for new experiences. And they won't, uh, here's another uh, phrase that a parent said or something a parent said recently that we heard, and all these were within the last about three or four months, needs confidence to do things they're not good at yet. And they won't know, if they won't know if they do it, that they won't be right. So that they want to have confidence first, but you have before they do something, but until they do something, they won't have confidence. So it becomes kind of a, kind of a circular uh, position that they'd be in. And not speaking up when there's a problem. It's a little bit like not speaking up loudly enough, but many people, whether it's adults or kids, don't speak up when they've got something wrong because they may not have built up enough self-esteem. They don't have enough confidence. And we'll use those two terms interchangeably for our purposes today, even though there could be some, some, uh, some differences that we may talk about. So, and we've had some kids that are shy and they cry in new situations or with new people. Uh, this is something, again, can happen and can be followed up with, with it as, a, as adults as well. So what we'll talk about today to, to first kick this off is the difference between happiness and self-esteem. And a lot of people think these are related, that people being happy is, is, means that they have good self-esteem or people that have good self-esteem are happy. And really, these are two different things. So what is happiness? Well, there's been a lot of research on this and when are people happy and you might want to I'll see if I can spell this right you can look up the research that's been the best research on this and it's by I should have had the 
I should have put this on the PowerPoint rather than have it uh, written up, but for people on audio, it'll help you. The, the, uh, the guy's name is Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi, and I'll spell his last name because if you look this up, it'll be the only one that you can find. It's C-S-I, oh, let me get my pen out here. It's C-S-I-K-S-Z-E-N-T-M-I-H-L-Y-I. And his first name is Mikhail. That one's a little easier, M-I-H-A-L-Y. Okay, M-I-H-A-L-Y. So that's a gentleman that wrote a book called Flow. And the concept of flow is that people are happiest when they're in this state of flow. And they're in this state of flow when a few things are happening. One of them is that they're fully engaged in an activity that's goal-oriented so that they have a reason that they're going to do it, that's measurable so that they know that they can sense progress and they can tell when progress is being made. You might notice that these two things are very much like martial arts training. So it's goal-oriented and it's measurable. And the last thing is really important, that it's hard. It's got to be hard. It's got to be something difficult. Now, you could, you could, you know, goal-oriented could be for me to walk from here to the refrigerator to get some food, but that's not very far. It's really easy to do. That's not going to be very, uh, that's not going to make me happy. I'm not going to feel like I'm in this flow state. But if I'm doing something that's difficult, climbing a mountain that is difficult, that would be exciting. That'd be challenging. It'd be a goal. I could measure my progress to doing that. Now, it's got to be hard, but not so hard that I don't believe I can do it. And that's where this relates to self-esteem. So you need to be, you need to be in this kind of state. This is the happiest people feel when they're doing something that's goal-oriented, that's measurable, and that's hard, but not too hard. Now, how this relates to self-esteem is if you have better self-esteem, then this, this hard but not too hard thing can be a bigger challenge. You can, you can seek bigger challenge, you can seek bigger goals because what's gonna be hard but what you think is not too hard is gonna be bigger. And we'll talk about what that really means in terms of self-esteem a little bit differently. Now, self-esteem, so happiness actually is pretty well defined by this flow concept. I'll write this down, flow this concept of flow. It's very well defined by that. It doesn't mean I'm at Disneyland or some people out partying or, uh, or I'm watching a movie, even though that can make you, real, you know, you can be happy during those times. The happiest people feel is when they're solidly engaged in activity that has those three things. It's goal-oriented, measurable, and hard, but not too hard. So I'm really, it, that's something to really get interested in and excited about, about understanding that because you can help yourself be in that state when people are in that state, they kind of lose their sense of time. When you're having fun, when you're excited, you lose your sense of time. Time goes fast. And, and you're, you're, you kind of don't notice the passing of time. So that's happiness. Self-esteem, that's what gets complicated in literature and media and research and academics. They, they don't really um, measure this the same way in lots of different areas. So we're going to talk about it 
uh, a lot today. And what our definition of it is, is feeling great about myself. So our definition of self-esteem is how much a person feels uh, th that they're capable. Feeling great about myself and how much a person feels that they're capable. All right. So let's think, let's use this definition. Feeling, the simple definition is feeling great. And this is in terms of, um, in terms of, uh, of capability, of what we think we can do about myself. All right. On to our next section here. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what self-esteem is and how you can define it. And there's a little bit of a, of a little bit of work I'd like you to do at this point. So if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on audio, you need to maybe hopefully you're not driving the car, but if you are driving the car, it's okay. You can visualize these things. Um, but we normally in a workshop, will give you a self-esteem worksheet to do. And what we ask you to do is write a list of what your current capabilities are. So self-esteem, one foundation of self-esteem is how much you think you are capable of. You know, if you know 12 languages, you're probably going to have a little bit better self-esteem than if you know one language, although most, many of us only know one language. But if you know, uh, if you know how to program a computer, you'd feel more confident about those kind of things, about technical things. If you don't know how to turn your computer on, you're not going to feel very confident. So we'd make a list of capabilities here. So if I'm doing a workshop with you, I would, first thing we do is make a list of capabilities. The next thing we do is make a list of missing capabilities and make a list of things that we wish we could do. Now, parents, for your kids, they've got a whole bunch of missing capabilities because they may only be four years old right now. So they've got a whole bunch of things they need to learn. And that's just fine. That's normal for them being four years old. But we still want to make this list. What are the missing things that we'd like them to learn by the time they're leaving the nest, by the time they're out of school, by the time they're leaving the house? What are the things that are going to allow them to be successful when they're in school so that when they're in college or in the workplace, so that we're in the, when they're in the workplace, they're um, going to be very, very successful and very feeling very capable and feeling very confident about the things they do so that they're not having anxiety about um, doing their job or anxiety about moving up the ladder at work and, and getting a promotion. So what are some of those capabilities? What are some of the examples and the examples of missing capabilities? So I might feel like I'm very capable of speaking in public. That's a good one. That's one I feel comfortable with because that's my job. I do that all the time, speaking in public. Now, even though I very, feel very capable about that, I have a hobby, as some people know, of stand-up comedy. So I don't feel all the time very confident about my stand-up comedy. So I would say I need to train a lot more on that. So I have a missing, com a missing capability of being, I want to be better at stand-up comedy. That's, that's a different skill than speaking in public. Okay, so, um, all right, so I might put that 
in my missing capabilities. And you might put speaking in public in your missing capabilities. The reason I bring that one up is it's the number one fear in America. And it's a fundamental skill for people to be able to be successful. If you need to do a presentation or you need to do different, um, uh, different types of jobs. Even, we've even found that research with doctors, the highest paying doctors in any category, whether they're orthopedic surgeons or whether they're uh, psychiatrists or whether they're uh, family practitioners, the highest paying 10% of the, uh, the, the ones who earn the highest 10% in each of those categories, when they were younger, had some job related to public speaking. They were in sales or they were in some kind of job where they were on the phone with people. So what we know is that those, that, that one, if we're going to talk about one for our time today, capability, if you feel like you're good, that put that in the capability section. If you don't feel like you're good at that, put that in the missing capability section. Don't worry about these other two boxes for you guys hearing it on audio. We've got two other boxes to fill out and we'll talk about what those are in a second. So, if you're listening to this and you want to take the time to do it, this is a great time to pause the podcast, take a sheet of paper and write all your capabilities, what do you feel great about, and your missing capabilities, what maybe you don't feel that great about. If you're a parent, do this for your kid. What are they good at right now? And what are they missing? And what do they need to get? Now, here's the thing, parents. Some of you, 20% of you will probably take this seriously and do this. Those 20% of you that take this seriously, I promise you that your kid will be more successful because you took the time to do this. I promise you this. It's absolutely going to happen. The 80% of you that said, oh, well, that sounds like pretty cool, Master Moody. I, I like that idea. Um, you know, I'll do that later or it's good for me to think about. It's not going to help your kid that much. Take the time to do it. I, I promise you it'll make a difference both for yourself personally and for your kid. So this is a great time to pause it, write those down, and then you can restart. Okay, hopefully you've restarted now, and let's get moving on to the next section, which is gonna be about what those other mystery boxes are. So if you list a bunch of capabilities, we're gonna talk about the self-esteem matrix, if you have capabilities and non-capabilities, and the four concepts in self-esteem. So there's two main things, our feelings, and what we're actually capable of. So you can either feel like you can do something or feel like you can't do something. And you can actually be capable of something or not be capable of do something. So our matrix here is, I can do something, I can't do something in terms of feeling or belief. And then the other part is, I can't do something or I can do something in terms of actual capabilities. So that capability list is the mix of I actually can do it, and I know I can do it. So I know I can do it, I can do it. That's correct high self-esteem. So we're correctly identifying all the things we're good at. That other list of the missing capabilities, this is correct low self-esteem. I know, I can't do that. I don't feel like, it doesn't mean that I'm, I need to feel terrible about myself, but I know I'm confident that I, I'm not confident in those areas. So if I know that I'm not good at uh, flying a helicopter, which I'm not confident, that would be in my missing capabilities list, I would have very low self-esteem if somebody asked me to fly one in an emergency. That would be a terrible situation for me. So that's correct, low self-esteem, the things that I'm not good at. Makes sense, right? 
the things that I am good at, correct high self-esteem. Those two are pretty easy. What messes everybody up is the other two boxes. When, number one, you can, you can do something, you can do it, but you don't think you can. This is where people have incorrect beliefs. So very frequently, people think they're not capable of something, but they really are. Whether it's because they haven't tried it yet, uh, they might, may think in martial arts we see this, they, oh, well, I don't think I can do that yet. Well, they haven't tried it. And we know that we can bring people along and the process is very step-by-step. -step. So pretty much everybody can do it and they can be very successful at it, but it's an incorrect belief. I don't think I can do it, even though I can. Um, somebody that doesn't think they can swim, number one, that's dangerous if they don't learn to swim because they might be in a situation where they're in water, in deep water, and that would be very dangerous. There, for the most part, unless there's a certain physical injury, everybody can learn to swim, but because they don't think they can do it, maybe because of trauma, they have an incorrect belief about it. It might be a legitimate trauma, but they still have an incorrect belief about it. So that's a big problem with self-esteem, incorrect beliefs. The other problem with self-esteem is when people can't do something, but they think they can, and that's called false self-esteem. And we see this, you guys probably know people that think they can do things, but they really can't. And when they, when they feel that way, but they can't do something, then they have negative reinforcement. They have negative consequences. Um, if a kid thinks he can, he can uh, jump from a certain height and be safe, and he breaks his arm, that's false self-esteem. There's a very negative consequence of that. That would be a very simple example. And you can probably think of lots of other examples of those kind of situations where somebody has false self-esteem maybe at work. They think they're capable of doing something. What happens? They do something wrong and a company loses money or something breaks, something bad happens. So false self-esteem then also makes us feel a lot worse when we have the negative consequences of it. So these two things, false self-esteem and incorrect belief, those are both bad situations to be in. It's not that bad to have correct low self-esteem because we know we're missing capabilities. How do we fix that? We change into correct self-esteem. We change into learning skills or gaining capabilities. So that is the self-esteem matrix. And you can always email me. If you listen to the podcast, you can find out the information to get in contact with me so you can ask some specific questions or have us go into more detail about this. If you've taken the time to list your correct high self-esteem, your capabilities, and your correct low self-esteem, missing capabilities, then you can start working on changing some of those into correct self-esteem. Now, it's hard to identify the false self-esteem ones, the ones you think you can do, but you really can't. If you think you can do something, but you really can't, you don't know that because you're, mis you're, you're, you're misinformed internally. If you can do something, but you don't think you can, same thing, you're misinformed. So this is something that you have to do by, you have to overcome by lots and lots of practice, and lots of repetition, and in, in a lot of ways, put yourself out there. Next time we get together for part two, we're gonna talk about myths and truths about self-esteem and confidence, and how you can how you can overcome some of those incorrect beliefs and false self-esteem 
so that you can become really successful. I hope this was useful. Um, what we're, our real goal here is to identify the parts of self-esteem so that you can do a better job internally and also for your kids, also for your family or other people you work with. We really love it if you, you can apply this towards people you teach, people that are in your employees, people maybe that you work for. Um, and, and make sure you under, have this understanding so that you can do a better job with everybody around you in your entire environment and share this with them in the appropriate way. All right, hope everybody has a great day and I look forward to working with you on part two when we get to, uh, when we get to doing that. All right, thanks a lot for being at our success training and I'm Greg Moody, thanks a lot.